Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord for his wonderful mercy and grace to see that we are able to speak something of life unto you from wherever you are listening in, wherever you are connecting from, those that are using our radios to access us, that are using our podcast platforms, and even those that visit our application or even the website. This is the Freedom Experience Ministry. You are on the Freedom Streams program and I am Pastor Enis And you hear this voice, just know that I've come in to take you into the teaching of Jesus Christ, uh, the subjective teaching of the Word of God. The way we teach is in a subjective way, whereby you want to see that you see the Word of God in a practical and applicable way, whereby you're going to experience Christ in His Word. So, we have this wonderful teaching uh, series that we are talking about God is New Testament economy. God is New Testament plan. God has planned uh, from eternity past. He has been planning and, uh, to the old dispensation. He has been planning to the new dispensation. He has been planning. We, are, we want to especially concentrate on the new dispensation plan. What was God's New Testament plan? And uh, we have been seeing all the things that are involved. This is episode 65. And I know that you, if you have followed us from the first episode of this series, you are somewhere in the spirit and even in revelation. And even the way you you approach the word of God. And uh, I know that your life cannot be the same again. But of recent we have been talking about uh, God's work and we, we have gone through several points and aspects of God's work. We talked about many of them, but I'll only remind you of a few that we last talked about in this aspect of God calling us, giving us, justifying us, conciling us, receiving us, regenerating us, washing us, sanctifying us, glorifying us as the believers. And under this aspect we saw each one of them considered these matters one by one. We saw God is calling the believers and afterwards we saw that if God, God forgave them, God forgiving the believers. Then we went on to see God justifying the believers. We went on to see God reconciling the believers. And last time, we ended at God receiving the believers. And in God receiving the believers, we say that he receives us according to his son. In other words, as long as a person receives his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as his savior, God receives him immediately. So we talked about those few things and we say that God is receiving is uh, God is receiving is based on Christ is receiving. And if a person receives Christ, then God is going to receive him. So Christ is receiving is in accordance with our faith. For Christ to receive us, it requires us to believe and to have faith in him. Once we have believed in Christ and we are received by God, God is receiving ushers us into enjoyment of the triune God. All that he has prepared and accomplished in Christ for us as our eternal portion. Now, that is where we stopped the other time. I want to continue today. 
talking about regenerating the believers. After he received us, then he regenerated us. When you come in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, Bible says that blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has regenerated us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from among the dead. So regeneration like redemption and justification is an aspect of God's full salvation. Remember, redemption and justification, they solve our problem with God and reconciles us and reconcile us to God. So we are reconciled to God by regeneration, rather by justification and redemption. Because with the redemption, the blood solves our sin problem. The justification, then we are made righteous with God. Then we are reconciled to God. We are now friends, no longer enemies. But there is something that regeneration does. Generation enlivens us with God's life and brings brings us into a relationship of life and organic union with God. This is what regeneration does. It gives us the life of God, enlivens us with God's life. We cease to live our life and we live Christ as our life. Generation brings us into a relationship of life whereby we are related with God in life, an organic union whereby inside us metabolically we are one with God because we share the same life. So therefore, regeneration issues and results in, in a living hope whereby we live a life that has got a living hope we are hoping that tomorrow God is going to even save us more and more. Our hope becomes living hope. And such regeneration takes place through the resurrection of Christ from among the dead. When Christ was resurrected, we, his believers, were all included, included in him in resurrection. So therefore, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.6, we were resurrected with Christ. So, in resurrection, in resurrection, that divine life was imparted into us and made us the same as Christ in life and nature. It was this resurrection life. In resurrection, this resurrection life, which is that divine life, was imparted into us. This made us to be the same as Christ in life and nature. As of now, if you are a born again believer, you are the same as Christ in life and in nature. Now, this is the basic factor of our regeneration. To be regenerated is to receive another life. That is God's divine life. Zoe kind of life. In addition to our human life, God adds on us what we call that uncreated life, regenerated life, that is the life of God which we call the divine life. 
So through regeneration, God imparts his divine life into us. Then we all have been born of his divine life. Praise the name of Jesus. So this is to be regenerated by God. Bible says in the book of James 1.18, uh, it speaks that uh, it speaks of God's work in regenerating believers. It says that having purposed, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a certain first fruit of his creatures. So God brought us forth, regenerated us of his own will, then by his intention to carry out his purpose so that we might be the first fruit of his creatures. So, what does it what does it mean to be the first fruit? Be the first fruit of God's creatures is to be a vigorous life that matures us. Is is to be um, the vigorous life, the vigorous life that matures us. In other words, this is by the divine birth. This is our regeneration. We received a life that matures us, that matures fast. That's why we are we are called the first fruit, because we are we have received a life from God that has made us to mature fast. Other things will mature second, but we are maturing fast. So that vigorous, vigorous life we received life of God makes us to be number one in maturing of all the things that are in creation. So when we read John 3, 5 to 6, the Bible says Jesus was talking uh, was talking to Nicodemus. He tells him John 3, 5 and 6 Jesus answered very, very I say unto you except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God and it says in verse 6 that that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit so this is by the divine birth or regeneration whereby we are born by the spirit and this is carried out according to God's eternal purpose Glory to God. So, God brought us forth. He regenerated us by the word of truth. The word of truth is the word of the divine reality. The word of what the triune God is. When you read first the book of John, chapter 1, verses 14, says that this word became flesh and he dwelled among us. The Bible says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of his only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word was full of grace and truth. Then verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So this word is the seed of life by which we have been regenerated. We are regenerated by this incorruptible seed. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 23 it says that being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible 
by the word of God which lives and abides forever. We were born again and regenerated by the word of truth. So I believe that now you know the way we are born again. Born again by the word of truth. Has got that incorruptible seed. Another aspect is after regenerating us, he went on to do a work of washing believers. The Bible says in washing the believers, in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, it speaks of God is cleansing. God is cleansing or God is washing believers. The Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous that he may forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, well as to be forgiven is to be released from the offense of our sins, to be cleansed is to be washed from the stain of our unrighteousness. We talked about forgiveness. And we say to be forgiven is to be released from the offense of our sins. But when we talk about to be washed, to be cleansed, to be cleansed is to be washed from the stain of unrighteousness. Now in this verse we have seen that unrighteousness and sins are synonymous. They are synonyms. All unrighteousness is sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 verses 17 and says that verses uh Verses, verse John chapter 5 is the name of Jesus. It says uh, in the book of First John chapter 5, verse 17, it says that uh, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. So, sins and unrighteousness, they are the same. Both They both refer to our wrongdoings. We always do wrong unto our God. Sins indicate the offense of our wrong wrongdoings against God and man. There are some sins we do God, God. There are some sins we do to man. So this is all called unrighteousness. So such unrighteousness it indicates the stain of our wrongdoings. When we do something wrong, it stains us. Thereby, if we talk about a garment, our garment of righteousness has been stained with unrighteousness, with the sins, wrongdoings we do against God and man. So, the stain of our un- our wrongdoings that uh, these are the things we and. Un- shows that we are not right either with God or with men. Now, the offense needs God's forgiveness and the stain requires his cleansing. So both God's forgiveness and God's cleansing they are needed for the restoration of our broken fellowship with, with him so that we may enjoy him in an interrupted fellowship with a good conscience, void of offense. 
And you read First Timothy 1.5 It shows us that Only we can have uh, This fellowship is When we have that Good conscience It says that Now the end of the commandment Is charity Out of a pure heart And of a good conscience And of faith unfeigned But when you come to Acts 24 Paul says uh, in verses 16 says and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men so we have said that both God's forgiveness and God's cleansing they are needed for us to have restoration restoration of our broken fellowship because whenever we sin Sin breaks fellowship with God and even with men. So this broken fellowship is restored when we are cleansed, when we are forgiven. So this broken fellowship we have with God brings us into that interruption whereby we are not enjoying God because of the interrupted fellowship. But when we are cleansed and washed, we come into that uninterrupted fellowship. Then also, we have a good conscience that is void of offense. Praise the name of Jesus. So, we shall continue with another work that God is doing in the New Testament. Praise the name of the Lord. So, God continues, uh, God continues to do a work of sanctifying, sanctifying the believers. After washing and cleansing us, he also sanctifies us. In his work, in the new dispensation, God also sanctifies the believers. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, The God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that the God of peace is the sanctifier. His, san- his sanctification brings in peace. Whenever we are sanctified, there is peace with God and even with man. When, when we are wholly sanctified by him from within, we have peace with him in every way. Here the Greek word for sanctified means to be set apart separated unto God from the things common, all profane all wicked things they are set apart but you see that however be sanctified involves more than being separated from a common worldly position to a position that is for God now the better illustration here is in Matthew 23 verse 17 and verse 19 where the gold is sanctified by the temple and the gift by the altar in changing their position. When you read Matthew chapter 20 23 verse 17 Jesus spoke something and said and this is a proper illustration says in verse 17 you fools and blind 
whether is which is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold praise the name of Jesus in other words uh, gold can be everywhere but when gold is brought in the temple it is separated from everywhere it now belongs to the temple there is the gold of the temple so it is set apart separated from worldly uh, the worldly position into a position that is for God which is the temple and when you read verse 19 of Matthew uh, 23 it says you fools and blind again Jesus calls them fools and blind and says that which is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift gifts can be everywhere like your money if, if money is a gift and it's still with you in the pocket and it is still with the other monies that you have in the pocket or you are still using it by yourself it is not set apart but when you bring it as a gift on the altar and they say it is time for giving time for offering and you separate a certain amount from the other money this is this amount you have separated within the house of God coming on the altar to offer that sacrifice it is set apart it is sanctified it is it is set apart and sanctified because it has changed position from your pocket to the altar of God so it is holy it is set apart so and when we come to first timothy chapter 4 verses 3 to 5 bible says over the same thing Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 is forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth for every creature is God God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving or it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer so here we are seeing that even food, maybe it was offered to idols. The moment receives it, knowledge and truth plus thanksgiving, the word of God and prayer, that food has been sanctified. That food is sanctified by the saint's prayer. That's why we pray when we are eating food. No matter where it comes from, whether I know or I don't know, according to my faith and knowledge of the truth, if I pray, that food is set apart for me to eat. See? So to be sanctified is also a matter of disposition. When we are sanctified, we change the position from being worldly to being people that belong to God, saints. So to be sanctified is also a matter of disposition. That is a matter of being transformed from the natural disposition to a spiritual one. That's why from the day we get saved, we are always commanded to walk in the spirit, to live in the spirit. Because we must change position. If we live in the natural disposition, we are not sanctified. We are not set apart for God until we become spiritual. So we see this is indicated in chapter Rome in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. Whereby all beseeches that be you transformed by the renewal of your mind. When you renew your mind, you 
begin to see those things that are good, that are pleasant, that are perfect in the sight of God. When you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, then it shows us a broader picture that transforms us because Romans 12 mentions that we are transformed in by the renewing of our minds so that we may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. When we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, you will see that it says, but we all with open face we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And it says, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit. So here there is a transformation that happens by beholding. When you keep on looking as in a glass, you look unto the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the Bible. It says that we, we, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, we behold the glory of the Lord. It is as if we are beholding the face of Christ. And as we keep on looking unto the glory of the Lord, the glory of Jesus Christ, we are changed, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is all about transformation that comes after and by sanctification. It is a disposition from one place to another, to a spiritual one. So, this involves a long process. It does not happen once. It is going to take some time for you to be like changed. A long process beginning from regeneration. From the day you believed this process began. Sanctification. So the sanctification as a process involves transformation. It involves disposition. We are brought from one state to another. In other words, it is going to be a long process beginning from regeneration, passing through the whole Christian life. I'll give you some verses on this one because it is worthy for us to read more scriptures. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So God wills that it is God's will that we, we go through sanctification that makes us to abstain from uh, fornication and even adultery. So these are all found in this process. When you read the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 the Bible says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Maybe you desire to see God and you are always praying about it. The quickest means for us to see God is to live a holy life. As we live a holy life, to see God is something that's going to be your daily food. Because you are living a holy life and God is holy. So you are going to see him. Ephesians 5.26 also tells us something says that, that he might sanctify talking about how Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. 
So when the word is being taught, Christ washes his church. Christ sanctifies his church. So we are always sanctified by the word of God. Or whenever we listen to the scriptures, we are sanctified. Christ is washing the church. It is going to be a process. So until the uh, Bible even said that and being completed at the time of rapture, at the maturity of life, this is going to keep on, keep on. God is going to uh, transform us from the day of regeneration, going to pass through the whole Christian life, and it will be completed at the time of rapture, at the maturity of life. So, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, God is sanctifying the believers only, meaning that in their spirit, in their souls, and in their body. So, our spirit, we are sanctified once and for all when we are regenerated. But our soul life is being sanctified gradually until we are going to be sanctified in our bodies and uh, that is in the, during the rapture. So, the sanctification work continues. is sanctifying us entirely, thoroughly, and even the consummation. God sanctifies us. He sanctifies us wholly so that no part of our being, either of our spirit all our soul, all our body will be left common or profane because he wants us to come out from that common life become people that are set apart I want to stop here I know that you are learning something this is Pastor Dennis the Lord bless you, bye bye